Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and the African History Network. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network and host of the African History Network Show and the Michael M. Hotep Show. Today is Saturday, April 8th, 2017, and we are live today. We're broadcasting on three platforms. How's everybody doing? We have a lot to talk about. We got to talk about Colin Kaepernick and the NFL and uh, it looks like Colin Kaepernick is being blackballed for the stance that he has taken against the national anthem and against police brutality, racism, things like this, by protesting against the national anthem. We're going to talk about that today. Colin Kaepernick is being punished by the NFL for standing up for black people. He's being blackballed, but some people say he's being whiteballed. You could, you could make the case he's being whiteballed. OK, we'll talk about that. Uh, there was an interesting article from Huffington Post Black Voices about this. Kaepernick's situation proves America still seeks to punish black protesters. Kaepernick's situation proves America still seeks to punish black protesters. We have to talk about that. Then you have this crazy story of a black Uber driver who was threatened with rape charges by a lying female passenger. Now, there's an update to this story. It appears she's Hispanic. It's a crazy, crazy story. Luckily, this brother, luckily, this brother uh, recorded the video. Luckily, he recorded the incident with his cell phone so he, had, he could document what happened. He had evidence because if he did not have that video, he probably would have been fired by Uber and some other things could have happened as well. Okay, so we're going to talk about that story. Crazy story. Uh, then there was this uh, study, and I saw this talked about on News One Now with Roland Martin. NBC News has an article about this as well. But this deals with the cost of segregation. And a new study shows the financial impact of segregation on America. It is literally costing America billions of dollars, and it also contributes to the murder rate as well. And they looked at 100 cities across the U.S. Chicago was one of them. We're going to talk about this. This is extremely, extremely important because this deals with how politics ties into every aspect of our life. This deals with how politics ties into every aspect of our life. Remember, politics, two main ways to understand what politics are. Shout out to people on YouTube as well. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. And politics is the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, treaties, uh, their interpretation, enforcement, and uh, adoption. Okay? Uh, so we, we have to talk about that. And then we know Thursday night, Donald Trump, without, the, without going before Congress, launched 59 Tomahawk missiles at Syria. OK, after now, it was just in 2013 that he basically begged President Obama on Twitter not to get involved in Syria. This is after 1400 people in Syria were gassed 
okay? After 1400, now here you have a situation, something I think it was like 89 or something like that, uh, uh, were gassed, and he was so emotional, he had to take uh, action, all right? But is this a case? People are asking, is this a case of wagging the dog? Is this a case of wagging the dog? Okay, and in the, in, in the uh, movie Wag the Dog from the late 1990s, a fictional president started a fake war to take attention away from a sex scandal that he was dealing with. Okay, is this a case of wagging the dog? We have to deal with that as well, okay? Now, on the Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. You can sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well, okay? Uh, and then also we're going to talk about the live uh, international webinar uh, I'm doing coming up today at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today. Um, it is um, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, Understanding the, Transatlantic, understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? So that's taking place. Uh, that's taking place today, 3 p.m. to um, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? So we'll discuss that as well. All right, and you can register for that. Uh, we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We're gonna post the inf- we're gonna post the information on the thread of our Facebook Live broadcast also. Now on t- on uh, YouTube, it's having problems. It's trying to reconnect. Not sure. Let me check something here because we're broadcasting on three platforms today. Uh, we're broadcasting on our Facebook Live uh, fan page, uh, the African History Network on Facebook. So shout out to people watching us on Facebook. I know some of those people will be joining us. Uh, at the African History Network School online for our, our, our webinar, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. And then um, also we're blog, broadcasting on the Blog Talk Radio uh, page as well, the African History, uh, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network Show. You can also call us if you have a question or comment, 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment as well. 914-338-1375, okay, um, is the call-in number if you have a question or comment also, all right? Okay, so uh, we're going to jump into this. I just need to um, post this. Okay, now everybody uh, watching on Facebook, Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also, okay? Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. 
All right. So um, there was, you know, I, I've done a presentation dealing with Colin Kaepernick uh, and, and other topics as well. It's called The Time We Have Been Waiting For Is Now. The Time We Have Been Waiting For Is Now. Colin Kaepernick, um, the National Anthem, um, and the Black Bank Movement. Okay. Uh, so you can order that presentation from our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. But uh, there's been uh, some talk recently in the news about Colin Kaepernick. He's a free agent, released from the San Francisco 49ers, okay? I think released from his contract, uh, or contract up, I should say. And um, he uh, has not been picked up by another team as of this morning that I know of, okay? He has not been picked up by another NFL team, okay? So quarterback for uh, San Francisco 49ers, we know that uh, he had some injuries. His past season was not a great season for him. We we understand that. But it was this past season that he decided to take a stand by kneeling um, um when it came time for the national anthem, right? At the beginning of the, of the game. So this caused a lot of controversy. Shout out to some of the people on Facebook, Carl Sally, Sandra Ayers. How y'all doing? So this caused a lot of controversy. Uh, they talked about this on talk shows, um, everything, right? So he, uh, and Donald Trump spoke about this as well. Uh, Donald Trump did one interview where he said uh, basically something to the effect if um, uh, he doesn't like it here, uh, he doesn't like what's going on here, maybe he should try another country. Okay, he said things like this. Um, But this goes back, this started uh, is the August 26th um, game. It was a preseason game and I think it was August 26th, August 27th, right around there. And um, Colin Kaepernick um, was sitting on the bench, okay? So uh, St- uh, uh, Stephen uh, Weish of uh, ESPN, he was the one that really broke this story, okay? And what happened was he asked him, well, you know, I noticed you were sitting on the bench. Why were you doing that? So then he started talking about, uh, he was protesting against the national anthem. This had to do with police brutality, racism. Uh, later on, he talks about how he was, he's not against veterans. Uh, he's not against America. He's, he, he's protesting about the conditions of, uh, of African-Americans in this country. He's protesting against uh, police misconduct, things like this, right? So you had a lot of people who did not want to hear the reasons why he was protesting, okay? They just wanted, they just didn't like the fact that he was protesting. You had people say things like, oh, he's an athlete. What does he know? He should just stick to uh, playing football, things like this. As if the people saying uh, he's an athlete, as if they know more about the situation than he does. I mean, th- think about this. You have people who know much less about the situation than he does telling him to just do his job, but they're not doing their job. Their job is not to comment. Okay, that's not their job, right? Their job is not to comment. They have a daytime job, most of them, right? So how is it that you're telling him to stick to his daytime job, but you're not sticking to your daytime job? It, now, now, think about that. Think about the hypocrisy there. And you had a lot of people it, um, 
who did not want to listen to the reasons why he was protesting. They just didn't like the fact that he was protesting. Okay. All right. So I'm looking through uh, some of my articles and these are bookmarked also. So I should probably pull up the bookmarks for these as well. All right. So, uh, you know, Steve Weiss uh, broke this story for uh, ESPN. Okay. And it was a firestorm since then. Right. And, You've had um, there was an article from uh, Huffington Post Black Voices. It was an article from Huffington Post Black Voices from um, uh, uh, April six, April six. And just give me a minute here because we stopped bro- it, it, it stopped broadcasting on uh, stream interrupted resume. It stopped broadcasting on YouTube. Don't know what that's about. All right. <laughs> okay. So historically, black athletes in the U.S. Okay, we're back on YouTube. Historically, black voices in the U.S. have always been punished for speaking out against injustice. Historically, black voices in the U.S. have always been punished for speaking out against injustice. Okay, now this article is written by Francis Maxwell. Okay, he's a white male, Francis Maxwell, who uh, is uh, a news personality on the Young Turks uh, TV show, right, news show. So we all know about Muhammad Ali being stripped of his title in 1967 for refusing to be drafted to the Vietnam War, and rightfully so. Muhammad Ali was vilified. Muhammad Ali was vilified because of this, right? Later on in life, when Muhammad Ali was stricken with Parkinson's disease and couldn't talk and and, and fight against white supremacy with his words, when he became non-threatening to white supremacy, then white people started to embrace Muhammad Ali. Many white people, many white people who decades before were against Muhammad Ali, when he, he rightfully took a stand against the Vietnam War and said that no Vietnam, uh, no Viet Cong ever called me the N-word, okay? And he said, they're just going to use me to uh, make it seem like it's all right for other black people to fight in this war. And they're going to get a lot of other people killed. OK, he said he said, I, I, I didn't see a need for me to go uh, and, and kill another poor people of color on behalf of this nation. And Stokely Carmichael, you had massive protests across the country. African-Americans will have a massive protest across the country and saying, hell no, we won't go. Hell no, we won't go. And uh, I have a, a documentary on Ali's, probably the best documentary you ever see. It's six hours. It's called Muhammad Ali, The Whole Story. Muhammad Ali, The Whole Story. It's a three-DVD set. It's six hours. And Stokely Carmichael, back then, around 67, they were having protests. And Stokely Carmichael said, he said, they want uh, Muhammad Ali to go fight in Vietnam for freedom that his people don't even have in Louisville, Kentucky, where he's from. He said, they still have segregation. You know, in Louisville, Kentucky, and they want him to go risk his life and fight for uh, America uh, in Vietnam. Okay, so now Colin Kaepernick remains unsigned for the 2017 NFL season. Okay, Uh, and Francis Maxwell asked the question. He says, so what does this tell us? He said, well, some would say that it's because of his performance last year and that he was solely to blame for the train wreck that was the 49ers season, 
Okay, so he did have a bad season. We know he came back. Uh, he had uh, some surgeries, right? Surgeries on the sh- shoulder and some other surgeries. Okay, he wasn't the same. But others have used uh, another excuse: the fact that he is now a vegan. Some people are using the excuse that he's a vegan, and that's why NFL teams aren't picking him up. Okay, but um, th- but the, but the other reason why, and something that a lot of people don't want to cite openly was his protest against the national anthem. Well, his protest against racism and police misconduct, police misconduct by way of the national anthem. Okay. So the article goes on to say, but when you look past these asinine reasons and consider how the NFL is willing to look the other way, when a player kills someone is accused of sexual assault, or domestically abuses their spouse, you realize the unfortunate but brutal reality that while time has passed and progress has been made, American society still can't handle a prominent black person questioning whether whether this country lives up to its purported ideas of freedom, equality, and justice for all. So when you really study what Kaepernick was saying, Kaepernick was saying, he said, I don't hate America. He said, I'm not against the um, um, I'm not against the veterans. Okay, he was talking about America living up to its promise. This this is what Dr. King was talking about. April 28th, 1963, in the speech that was renamed. I have a dream. It was renamed. I have a dream because that's not the original name of that speech. The original name of that speech was called a cancel check. And in that speech, if you if you go to archives.gov, archives.gov and read the text of the speech. Don't get caught up in the emotion, read the text of the speech because the speech was originally supposed to be he was originally supposed to speak for about 4 minutes. He spoke for 16 almost 17 minutes. The majority of the speech he spoke extemporaneously. Okay? Now everybody watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page, okay? Invite your friends to tune in because we're dropping some real knowledge today, okay? As usual, but we normally aren't broadcasting on Saturday, so we're really dropping some knowledge today. All right, so he spoke extemporaneously for most of the time, but what Dr. King was talking about was holding America to its promise. He said 100 years prior to that, America gave Negroes, gave black people a promissory note. Okay, and he said when we went to go cash this promissory note, it was marked insufficient funds. This is why the original name of the speech was called a council check. He was dealing with economics. So he talked about police brutality in the speech. He talked about how we can't stop, you know, until we end police brutality. He talked about how we can't stop while the Negro in the South can't vote. Negro in New York feels that he has nothing to vote for. While the Negro in the South can't vote and the Negro in the North has nothing to vote for. He talked about segregation and racism and things like this. He talked about African-Americans moving from a smaller ghetto to a larger ghetto. He was directly addressing the conditions that African-Americans were dealing with then and pushing America to live up to its promise that it made to African-Americans 100 years prior. Emancipation Proclamation, uh, uh, Civil Rights, uh, not Civil Rights, uh, well, you can say Civil Rights Act of 1866 because Civil Rights did not start with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Civil Rights didn't start with the Montgomery Bus Boycott, which started December 5th, 1955. Civil Rights goes back to 1865 and 1866. 
Civil Rights Act of 1865 was vetoed by President Andrew Johnson. Civil Rights Act of 1866 is going to pass. He vetoed that one also, but it passed. It, it is going to go back to Congress. You're going to pass it. And the Civil Rights Act of 1866 laid the foundation for the 14th Amendment of 1868. Okay, so Colin Kaepernick, his protest is in the tradition of Dr. King, if you actually research the revolutionary Dr. King, not the emasculated Dr. King that they show you on the television every Dr. King day, not that Dr. King. If you actually study the real Dr. King, because if you read the text of the uh, canceled check, which was later renamed I Have a Dream, that's a powerful speech. And if you want to, you can uh, I have a DVD lecture that I've done. It's a two and a half hour presentation. I just did it January of this year. the, the the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised on the television. The revolutionary will not be televised on the television, okay? All right, now those watching on Facebook Live, hey, we just posted the link here. We just posted the information for our uh, live webinar that we're doing today, uh, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade. What they didn't teach you in school, understand the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It's an eight-hour webinar. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back, watch them over and over again. It's only $40 for the course. At the end of the course, you're going to receive my DVD presentation, which is four and a half, four and a half hours that I did on the subject also. So you can go ahead and register for that. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We, we're doing that 3 p.m. It's a live online course at our online school, and I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation. You can see the visual presentation. We have video clips, all of that. Okay, it's very powerful. All right, so. Um, now, what's interesting is when Dr. King was assassinated April 4th, 1968, he was the most hated man in America. And after he came out against the Vietnam War, April 4th, 1967, because he was assassinated one year to the date that he came out against the Vietnam War. Right. When he came out against the Vietnam War overnight, he became the most hated man in America. Even members in the civil rights movement turned against him because they said you should just deal with civil rights. You shouldn't speak out against the war. Okay, so if if uh, Colin Kaepernick had uh, killed somebody or uh, maybe was a, a, a committed uh, accused of sexual assault or something like that, maybe he would uh, have a contract. Maybe he would be signed. But that's not the case. And uh, you realize the unfortunate but brutal reality that while time has passed and progress has been made, American society still can't handle a prominent black person questioning whether this country lives up to its purported ideas of freedom, equality, and justice for all. Now, um, some people um, say, uh, oh, here we go with this white privilege crap. The man disrespected the flag, the flag that represents uh, this nation and the freedom of white men to sexually harass uh, women and get rewarded with $11 million bonuses and even the presidency. So you see a direct contrast, right, between the treatment of Bill O'Reilly, who Bill O'Reilly and Fox News had to pay out $13 million to settle sexual harassment lawsuits, okay? And they're being investigated. They were being th- this this stuff and also um, Preet Bharara, 
I mean, so this stuff and also the Roger Ailes sexual lawsuit, uh, sexual harassment lawsuits, because Roger Ailes was the founder of Fox, the Fox News Network, and he was the chairman. He got pushed out of Fox News because of this, because of sexual harassment lawsuits also. This was being investigated by U.S. Uh, attorney from Manhattan, Preet Bharara. Preet Bharara got fired by Donald Trump. Trump Towers was in Preet Bharara's district. In his jurisdiction. This stuff is deep. Okay? And if you listen to our show, we've been reporting on this. You can listen to the you can go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and you can listen to the podcast. We have seven hundred podcasted episodes of our show. Okay. So when you look at the treatment of of um Bill O'Reilly, right? So we talked about this a couple of days ago on the show. We talked about this yesterday. So Bill O'Reilly has lost over 40 advertisers. Bill O'Reilly has lost over 40 advertisers from the O'Reilly factor. He's still on the air. There was an article, I think, from TheHill.com, H-I-L-L, TheHill.com. They, they have excellent political coverage, political news coverage, right? His ratings have increased 25% since this information has come out about the sexual harassment lawsuits, but he's losing advertisers, all right? So... You have this type of treatment of Bill O'Reilly. You have Colin Kaepernick, who hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't sexually harassed anybody. No lawsuits against him for sexual harassment, anything like this. He can't, he can't get a contract, basically, because he stood up for African Americans and other, uh, other um, people of color. All right? So... Um, in the article, it says, seriously, only in America can a white man cost his company $13 million in settlement fees, yet remain employed while a black man peacefully protests in a corner and is blackballed. But we should have seen this coming. Historically, African-American, historically, African-American athletes in the U.S. have always been punished for speaking out against injustice. When Muhammad Ali said he was a conscientious objector, a conscientious objector, and refused to be drafted into the Vietnam War, he was arrested, his title was stripped away from him, and his boxing license was revoked. He had to, he had to spend millions of dollars to fight against, in court, fight against the U.S. government out of the ring for three and a half years. The three and a half years that he was out of the ring were the prime boxing years of a boxer's career. The three and a half years that Muhammad Ali was out was out of the boxing ring because he refused to participate in an unjust war because of his religious beliefs, because he was a minister in the nation of Islam. OK, he wasn't just some loud mouth, you know, talking about white people. He was a minister in the nation of Islam and he was a conscientious, conscientious objector. And he said this went against his, his religious beliefs. And he said if it came down to it. He would face machine gun fire and be executed before he fought in an unjust war. This is what Muhammad Ali said. Okay? Now, just like uh, Dr. King, when Dr. King came out officially against the Vietnam War, April 4th, 1967, Muhammad Ali became vilified as well. He became one of the most hated men in America also. All right? So historically, African-American athletes in the U.S. have always been punished for speaking out against injustice, all right? 
So um, when former NBA player Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, how many people remember him? Mahmoud Abdul Raouf refused to stand during the national anthem on religious grounds because he was a Muslim. He lost out on millions of dollars, endured death threats, and his home was burned to the ground. After Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised the Black Power salute on the podium in the 1968 Olympics, okay, in Mexico City, they were expelled from the games. They got blackballed also. And they were protesting against the poverty in, in America and the mistreatment of African Americans. Now, ironically, these athletes are now celebrated as trailblazers, held in the highest regard at times, even by the same people who today are vilifying Colin Kaepernick. Now, why is this? Now, this is because their protests are in the past. And, it, and, and what happened was their protest was somebody else's problems. Their protests were the previous generation's problems. They're no longer a problem today, so they're not threatening. So you can embrace them even though they were vilified at the time. So, you know, uh, so back when the protest uh, was really needed, when times were tougher, when black people really were mistreated, not just disproportionately targeted and all too often killed by law enforcement. Okay. So this is what happened. We talk about uh, 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 Mark. Uh, we talk about uh, Fred Hampton and Mark Clark, 1969 Chicago Black Panther Party members. Okay, assassinated by the Chicago police. All right. We could talk about uh, uh, others who were set up in, in, in the counter, counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO, August of 1967, from J. Edgar Hoover and the uh, and the FBI. Okay, targeting those who were a threat. We can talk about Malcolm X. We can talk about uh, Dr. King targeting those who were a threat. We can go back. To the 1920s, talk about the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Even though he wasn't killed, he was set up, falsely charged for a mail a, 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 a fraud uh, sentence, and uh, extradited out of the country. All right, so uh, to silence him and to silence the movement, because that because the movement Marcus Garvey had, even though there were flaws, but the move, movement Marcus Garvey had was the largest mass movement of African people in the history of this country. It was the largest mass movement of African people in the history of this country. All right, so if you go and look at the article from uh, NFL.com, NFL.com, August 27, 2016, that's what it was, NFL.com, I think it was. I think that's the article from uh, Steve Weish. Um, he's the one that broke that uh, story about Colin Kaepernick, okay? And um, the name of the story is uh name of the article colin kaepernick explains why he sat during national anthem colin kaepernick explains why he sat during national anthem nfl.com august 27 2016 and he said i'm not going to stand up to show pride in the flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color okay uh he said to me this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way there are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. Now, Colin Kaepernick said that he is aware of what he is doing and that he knows it will not sit well with a lot of people, including the San Francisco 49ers. He said that he did not inform the club or anyone affiliated with the team of his intentions to protest the national anthem. All right. So this, uh, this was the day after this article came out, I think, the day after a game, because it was August 26th that the game took place. 
the San Francisco 49ers issued a statement about Colin Kaepernick's decision. Okay, this is back in August of last year, 2016. The national anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony. It is an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties we are afforded as its citizens. In respecting such American principles as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, we, we recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. We recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. OK, so he was, he was exercising his First Amendment rights. Also, that's the other thing that people don't understand. They want him to shut up, don't like what he's protesting about, don't understand. That's protected by the First Amendment, U.S. Constitution, First Amendment. You have these people who love the Constitution, but don't like the enforcement of the Constitution when they disagree with it. Check this out. You have people who love the Constitution, want to talk about the Constitution, don't like the enforcement of it when they disagree with the outcome. How was that? Okay, so August 28, 2016, DailyMail.co.uk had an article, Defiant 49er quarterback faces mounting anger as he insists he will continue to sit for the national anthem at NFL games and protest at the oppression of black people. This is a deep article by the DailyMail.co.uk, August 28, 2016. Defiant 49er quarter, quarterback Colin Kaepernick faces mounting anger as he insists he will continue to sit for the national anthem at NFL games and protest at the oppression of black people. Okay. He said, I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. He said to me, this is something that ha he said to me, this is something that has to change uh, when there's significant change. And I feel like that flag represent what it's supposed to represent. This country is representing people the way that it's supposed to outstand. So what's interesting is how the people who attack him, the 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 the, the uh, uh, heads of the football teams, the uh, heads of the front office, who were against his stand, they didn't focus on the fact that he said, when the flag represents what it's supposed to represent, when this country is repre representing people the way it's supposed to, I'll stand. So instead of people focusing on trying to change the conditions that he's calling attention to. They just want to silence him for calling attention to those conditions. But those conditions come out of white supremacy and racism. The byproduct of white supremacy and racism is white privilege. So they don't want to deal with the history of how these conditions came about. They just want to silence somebody who's speaking out and has a platform to draw attention to the conditions because they don't want to address white privilege and white supremacy and racism. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race coming out of the ideology of, of, of uh, European white supremacy. Racism occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, benefits, privileges, land, access to education, access to opportunity, and uh, they use that to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people, okay? Instead of addressing the conditions that he's protesting against, they just want to silence the protest. So um, Francis Maxwell, in his article for the uh, Huffington Post Black Voices, Huffington Post Black Voices, he goes on to say, Kaepernick 
situation proves America still seeks to punish black protesters. That's the name of the article. Kaepernick's situation proves America still seeks to punish black protesters. All right. So he said, but what's truly remarkable is that there's no doubt Colin Kaepernick knew exactly what he was getting into, but protested anyway. He knew all too well the disdain directed at previous African-American athletes who spoke out against injustice. Uh, I mean, look at what he's been uh, doing all off season. Okay. Does that look like the actions of a man desperate for the phone to ring? Uh, he's not sitting around wondering why all the teams in need of a, of a quarterback haven't dialed him up because he is too busy uh, providing solutions to real issues. So he donated money to Mills on Wheels after Donald Trump's horrific budget cut funding to Mills on Wheels. Okay, um, he uh, he teamed up with some other people in the donating uh, money and support to Somalia. Uh, he's he's helped in Chicago, Standing Rock. Uh, he's had community efforts. He had a um, a Know Your Rights youth camp, a Know Your Rights uh, youth camp in. Um, uh, California, I think it was Los Angeles or Oakland. I think it was Oakland, California, um, late last year. Okay, he's doing some really good things, and he has caused other NFL players to want to do some and get involved as well. Okay, so while while his NFL stock has slowed down, his overall objective to help marginalized groups in America has not slowed down. While his NFL stock has slowed down, his overall objective to help marginalized groups in America has not slowed down. Yet the NFL continues to turn his back on, continues to turn its back on him because um, uh, to them, the only crime worse than taking a life is protesting when a black life is taken. To the NFL, the only uh Crime worse than taking a life is protesting when a black life is taken. Because the NFL, to my knowledge, hasn't taken any stands on police misconduct, things like that, right? They haven't taken any stands on that. Now, it's interesting how you have uh, uh, corporations, they'll come out and take a stand against a bathroom bill in North Carolina. And this is why North Carolina just revised the bathroom bill, because they lost $3.7 billion dollars in revenue coming into the state of North Carolina because of economic boycotts, because of corporations imposing economic boycotts and speaking out against them, because of council concerts, things like this. The state of North Carolina lost $3.7 billion in revenue, billion with a B. So this goes back to understanding economic withdrawal. See, Dr. King in his last speech, April, 4th, 19, April 3rd, 1968, he said that we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. Okay, those on Facebook will come to you. I mean, so those on Blog Talk, we have a couple of callers. We'll come to you in just a minute. Just hold the line. Just hold the line. We'll come to you in just a minute if you have a question or comment. April 3rd, 1968, Dr. King in his last speech, Memphis, Tennessee. He said that we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. Okay, so what this means is, is that when you have mass protests across the country, Black Lives Matter protests, we just saw the fight. We just saw Black Lives Matter April 4th, the 49th anniversary of Dr. King. We talked about this on the show last night. Okay, we just saw uh, April. uh, We just saw April 4th, 
uh, which was Tuesday, uh, 2017, Black Lives Matter teamed up with the Fight for 15. And they had massive protests in two dozen cities across the country to draw attention to the Fight for 15, racism, etc. right? We just talked about that uh, uh, last night. And we talked about it a couple of days ago as well. Uh, there was an article from... Um, it was an article from Huffington Post Black Voices. More than 50 organizations unite to launch nationwide social change campaign. This article was from uh, April 4th, 2017. More than 50 organizations unite to launch nationwide social change campaign. People who believe in freedom, justice, and the humanity of all people are the majority, and we have and we've had enough. Okay? And they're they're calling their newly formed group the majority. We talked about this last on last night's show. They're, they're calling their new formed group the majority. All right. And then um, I first found out about this back on March 27th. There was an article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Black Lives Matter to join forces with wage activists in Fight for 15. Black Lives Matter to uh, to join forces with wage activists in Fight for 15. But but check this out. See, because there's a whole movement going on. All right. Now, a lot of people say, oh, ain't nobody doing nothing about this. Nobody doing nothing about that. Yeah, there are people doing something about it. You just may not be one of them. Yes, there are people doing something about these different issues. You may just not be one of them. The newly formed group called The Majority includes organizations like the Black Lives Matter Network, NAACP, Fight for 15, Indigenous Environmental Network, Black Youth Project, Black Youth Project, um, it's probably Black Youth Project 100, Dream Defenders, Asian Pacific Environmental Network, uh, et cetera. It's a number of organizations came together to, uh, to form this. You can, for more information, you can check out their website, beyondthemoment.org, beyondthemoment.org, beyondthemoment.org. Then there was an article from uh, March 27, 2017, com. Black Lives Matter to join forces with wage activists in Fight for 15. All right. And the name of their campaign was Fight Racism, Raise Pay. Fight Racism, Raise Pay. OK. All right. So uh, very quickly, before we go into the phone lines here, we're going to post this information. So we have a live international webinar coming up today um, at 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. OK. And um, you can. Uh, we're going to post the link again. You can register here. Uh, you can watch from around the world also. All right. So just give me a second here. We're going to post this and then uh, we'll come to some of your comments. So it's uh, for all four sessions. It's $40. You can sign up and get it out of the way. Do it all at one time. Uh, there was one previous session. You can go back and watch that. It's recorded. It's excellent. All of them are recorded. Uh, I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation. We have video, all of this. This is, this, is, this is at our online school, the African History Network School. We have an online school also, okay? Or you can pay uh, $10 per session as well, all right? So I'm getting ready to um, post the uh, information again here, post the link. <clears throat> now the oppression doesn't have to continue. Is what do you do? In, what do you do uh, in the in the face of the oppression? Okay, 
what do you do in the face of the oppression, Joseph Strada? This is why you have to have agendas. This is why you have to have plans. People should download the agenda from the uh, Congressional Black Caucus because this is an excellent one. We're going to talk about that some more to- on tomorrow night's show uh, when I do my show on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the African History Network show. Um, so people should um, um, download that. It's free to download it. I went and got it printed up. Uh, I went and got it printed up because uh, I didn't want to print up. It's 125 pages, and I didn't want to print that up um, um, here at home, okay, in the office. I didn't want to print that up here. So, uh, and that'll wear out a, a printer, a toner cartridge. <laughs> that'll wear out a printer cartridge. So um, I did it. Uh, I took it to a printer, had them printed up, had them wire bound it. We're going to talk about that some more tomorrow because that they have an excellent excellent uh agenda okay they have an excellent excellent agenda and every african-american organization in the country every african-american every african-american organization in the country doesn't matter whether you are a um doesn't matter whether you are a block club doesn't matter whether you are a black lives matter organization naacp Nation of Islam, doesn't matter what you are, there are elements in that agenda that they put together that every African-American organization across the country can use to make a powerful platform because those agendas have to be pushed, not just to the president, because this is the agenda that um, the CBC uh, presented to Donald Trump, Vice President um, Mike Pence, and he ain't, he's not my president. I, I don't like Donald Trump. I hate Donald Trump. Everybody knows that. But uh, this is the agenda that they printed to the, the, presented to the Trump administration. But this has to be pushed at a local, state, and national level. It can't just be the CBC pushing the agenda because other people don't do that. Other people push agendas from the uh, uh, at all levels, the base, and they push it at a uh, at a local, state, and national level. Okay, and if you look at what happened with the fight over the um, Affordable health care, okay, and the uh, and the Ryan plan, okay, uh, and it was defeated. They, they they pulled it from the House floor because they they didn't have enough votes. It was because of the overwhelming uh, backlash and the o- overwhelming uh, support for masses of people for the Affordable Health Care Act and to make it better as opposed to repealing it. But people galvanized and mobilized. And they put pressure on their members of the House of Representatives. They put pressure on the U.S. Senate, uh, the U.S. Senators. They were outside of their offices. They went to the town hall meetings, things like that. You notice when you saw those protests, you saw very few African-Americans there. You notice when you saw those protests, you saw very few African-Americans there. Okay. Um, Okay, Adrian K. Stewart said, I have ideas to make action. Okay, where's your plan? Where can people, where's your website where people can go read your plan? You can download the agenda from the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. You can download it from Roland Martin's website, rolandsmartin.com, rolandsmartin.com, or download it from the CBC, cbc cbc.house.gov, cbc.house.gov. Okay, let's go um, quickly here to the phone lines. See if we can get this going. All right, hey Carla, welcome to uh, the Mike Limhotep show. How you doing today? Call on the two six seven area code. Do you have a question or comment, or just yes, listen brother, to the show? Yes, brother. Uh, how are you, man? 
Uh, it's good to hear your voice again, and uh, hear you on the uh, on the grind, and the so I can work backwards with what you said. Uh, something that is inclusive, that uh, you brought together together different different effects uh, uh, of us. You know the NLI, the the the, the different uh, denominations of us. And I I find those things to be good things because things that are generally good for everybody are are good things, you know, like water and air and truth, you know, love. These are these are good, generally good things. X-rated movies, you got to send the kids out of the room. It's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, my computer is doing something. But thank God for touch screen. Uh, the, the, I just wanted to say that this is serious, you know, because because well, it was serious because you're talking about it. One, um, I I don't really pay attention to sports. It's not my thing, you know. My my right. real estate in 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 my head it, it, it has the tent is occupied by the tenants of my survival. And, you know, that's most important in this situation. And Kaepernick, you know, that whole situation, you know, if we think about it, he can't have no economic withdrawal from anything now. So in the system which he was based in, in he's, he's rendered absolutely uh, powerless. Uh, Harriet Tubman, you know, if, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Now, what's your name? What's your first name? Where are you from? This is Universal Moore. I'm from Philly. Okay. Now, why do you say that he? You said that uh, he doesn't have an effect. What was that last statement you made? You said he doesn't have a voice. Doesn't have an effect now. You 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 mentioned something about economic withdrawal earlier. Correct. Yeah, and I'm saying that in Kaepernick's situation, which you were talking about, him not being able to be signed with anybody or make any money with what he's doing, he he can't economically withdraw from anything. So he's been really powerless in that system that he's been based in. He's not powerless. He's not broke. This guy's a multimillionaire, number one. He's powerless in the system that he's based in. Because he can't oh. go back and do those things because of his First Amendment rights. Uh, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Let me let me let me make it short. It, you, you know, if the people if the people that preach the First Amendment rights are the, are the first ones to violate the violate your rights, like you said earlier, you know, why speak in protest? It falls on it falls on deaf ears. You know, Harriet Tubman did what she had to do. You know, if, if 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 he was in a position or put himself in a position, you know, I would love to give you $10 million a year, brother. I know you could do some things with that. And I know you wouldn't mess anything up because you're going to do what you need to do with that to help your nation, your people. And you can do, I'm sure you can do some things with that, regardless of whose face is on the money. You can you can do some things with that, and if you have ten million dollars and people are depending upon your money and 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 they're not listening and they're not cooperating, you can bring about an economic withdrawal of your own 
and, and, and make moves of your own. So the positioning is very important. And sometimes when we're out in the open, we still have to wear our Harriet Tubman. We have to wear our Harriet Tubman. Yeah, you woke up, and then you learned to keep waking up. Now you got to learn to play sleep because the enemy is at your neck. He's at your neck. Okay. So, you know, you know, you, you know, she didn't expose her plan with vocal sig- or, or signifying protest, but with action. And it's fine for, for us to, to, to come together and, 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 but it should only be for a plan of action. And, and it has to be, be all inclusive, just like you said. It has to be good for right. everybody. everybody. Okay. You know right, what I'm saying? Thanks for calling. Keep listening. Okay. All right, good brother. All right. Peace. All right. Peace. All right. Yeah, I, I encourage people to read this article because Colin Kaepernick has, he's still, first of all, he's still a force. He's a multimillionaire. If he invests his money right, he doesn't have to work again. If he invests his money right, if he invests his money right, he doesn't have to work again. But he was just involved with uh, a group to donate a lot of money to Somalia. Uh, We know that late last year he had a Know Your Rights campaign for about 100 uh, uh, youth, African-American, Hispanic youth in Oakland, California. There's a lot of good things he can do, even if he doesn't play football again. Okay. So we, 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 we don't want to confuse we don't want to confuse the two issues. Uh if you have a quick question or comment, give us a call, nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five. Nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five. Nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Also, uh and when you call in if you have a question uh, or comment, press the number one key to put you in queue. So we could bring you on the air. Also, it's important to note. See, Harriet Tubman said, I freed a thousand slaves, but I could have freed a thousand more if they had only known that they were slaves as well. She was dealing with the mental condition of many enslaved African people at that time. All right. Uh, let's get this other caller quickly. All right. Caller, uh, welcome to the Michael M. Hotep show. Do you have a question or comment or just listening to the show? Okay. Caller, do you have a question or comment or just listening to the show? Okay, I think they're just listening. All right, so let's go back to this article quickly here. Um, okay, so then we got to get to this other topic, and we'll talk some about the uh, um, live international webinar we're doing today, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Now, people watching on Facebook, who is registered for the live webinar? You need to, you need to link again so you can register. Okay. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Who who uh, who uh, on Facebook is watching us? Who's registered for the live international webinar we're doing today, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay, so um, he said, so, um, okay, Crystal James, I guess you're saying you need the uh, link again. We'll post it again here. Just posted said register for the live international webinar. Um, okay, Kenneth, you said you are you can't access the live sessions. Okay, Kenneth, why can't you access the live sessions? Let me know. Okay, Kim says she's going to. We just posted information there. All right. Um, so 
in the article written by uh, Francis uh, Maxwell, Francis Maxwell of the Young Turks for Huffington Post Black Voices. He concludes and says, so I will continue to. So so what he does is he says. uh, um, But what's truly remarkable is that there's no doubt Colin Kaepernick knew exactly what he was getting into, but protested anyway. He knew all too well the disdain directed at previous African-American athletes who spoke out against injustice. I mean, look at what he's been uh, doing all, all off season. Look at what he's been doing all off season. Does that look like the actions of a man desperate for the phone to ring? He's not sitting around wondering why all the teams in need of a quarterback haven't dialed him up because he's busy providing solutions to real issues. Mills on Wheels, Somalia, Chicago, Standing Rock, community efforts, donations, speaking, teaching. These are all things Colin Kaepernick has done in the last few months. Now, while the NFL, while his NFL stock has slowed down, his overall objective to help marginalized groups in America has not slowed down. Yet the NFL continues to turn its back on him because, as I have said before, to, to them, the only crime worse than taking a life is protesting when a black life is taken. So I will continue to talk about this. I will continue to express my disgust at the treatment of a man whose efforts have been monumental. And until I am proved otherwise, I will continue to expose the reality that many refuse to face that is still, that, that, that is, uh, still unacceptable for a black person in the United States of America to question a predominantly white narrative. Okay? The problem, uh, he said, I will continue to expose the reality that many refuse to face, that it is still unacceptable for a black person in the United States of America to question a predominantly white narrative. All right. Pepsi just co-opted the whole protest movement with Kendall Jenner solving racism by giving a Pepsi to a white police officer. We talked about we talked about that on last night's show. Okay. Um, let's see. Nine one four. If you have a question or comment, nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five is the calling number. If you have a question or comment, okay. Now, a couple ways you can listen to the show. All right. Uh, you can watch us on Facebook Live. You can listen at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. We'll post it here. We'll post the link. You can click on the link because sometimes I know people have. Maybe they may have uh, limits on their data. Maybe you're watching on your cell phone. You have limits on your data. You can listen on your cell phone also. Okay, so you can uh, you can call in, uh, listen at nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five, and these shows are podcasted also. So the link I'm going to post for the uh, to listen to the show live. You can also uh, use that same link to listen to the podcast of the show. All right. And uh, you can call in and listen live by phone, 914-338-1375 as well. Or you can um, listen online through your phone, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. Okay, you can do that as well. All right. And then on YouTube, those on YouTube, you can also go to, you can call in, listen by phone if you want to. Uh, 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375, all right? I want to go to this one clip here. This is from um, uh, News One Now with Roland Martin. 
and we're going to uh, stop the broadcast on YouTube here um, so you all can um, tune in one of the other ways. Um, on News One Now with Roland Martin, Roland interviewed uh, Shannon Sharp of um, the Undefeated, I think it is, on um, uh, ESPN. Okay. And uh, he interviewed Shannon Sharp and they talked about. Um, Colin Kaepernick not being signed by another team and Colin Kaepernick being blackballed or uh, whiteballed. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to that clip here in just a minute. All right. Um, let me tell you all quickly about the uh, international webinar we're doing today. Who's registered for it? Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is the second session. If you missed the first session, don't worry. Once you register for it, you can go back and watch the, the first session in its entirety. You can watch it over and over and over again. It's two and a half hours. Uh, this is an eight-hour online course, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So the way I approach the transatlantic slave trade is, is different than some people. I don't deal with it episodically as an episode in history. I deal with it chronologically. I don't deal with it episodically as an episode in history. I deal with it chronologically. Okay, so when we discuss the transatlantic slave trade, we first have to understand that African people are the indigenous people of North, Central and South America. We've been in the land we call the United States of America at least 51,700 years. All right. And uh, the Khoisan have the oldest DNA on the planet. The Khoisan go around the world. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. The Twa derisively or pejoratively called pygmies. In uh, anthropology and archaeology, the Khoisan were here all throughout this land. They were in South America as well. You have Africans from ancient Kemet who were here also, ancient Egypt. You have different African nations that were here. Um, and we can't start our study of history and slavery. Not even even in this country, we can't start our uh, study of history and slavery, okay? Um we can't start in 1619, August 20, 1619, when a Dutch warship with 20-some-odd Africans uh, comes into Jamestown, Virginia. Uh, we can't uh, start in uh, the 1440s when the Portuguese get involved in the slave trade also, okay? All right, we're going to stop broadcasting here on uh, – let me see something here. Uh, let's see. On YouTube, let's see if we can switch over to the uh, Wi-Fi here in the uh, office. Okay, so we can't start. We can't start there either. We have to deal with African people being in this land prior to Europeans coming here, but also prior to Native Americans coming into existence, because Asians come to this land uh, that we call the United States of America around uh, 3000 BC, and they intermix with the Africans who were already here. Okay. And uh, their offspring are who we call Native Americans. So we deal with this in the, in the presentation. We deal with ancient Kemet. We deal with the African presence in this land tens of thousands of years ago. We deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Um, we, deal with, we, deal with all, we deal with all of that, okay? And we try to deal with things chronologically. And we deal with how the, uh, how the Moors what they introduced into Europe, the mathematics, the algebra, the alchemy, or what we call chemistry, the um, uh, surgery, the, the teachings, that they were the custodians of the ancient Egyptian mystery system. They're taking teachings into Europe from ancient Africa. 
Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Marvin Russell said, how do I register? All right. Just a second here. Uh, we'll post the link again. Um, they're, they're taking all these teachings into Europe and this brings Europe out of the dark ages and it civilizes Europe. This brings Europe out of the dark ages and it civilizes Europe. Okay. Um, and they're going to reintroduce the concept of longitude and latitude. They do all, they do all this. Okay. We just posted the, uh, information there. It says register for the live international webinar. Just posted the information there, Marvin, everybody else who wants to register. Okay. Um, so, and this is going to set up Columbus to set sail on his four voyages. Okay. Uh, Columbus set sail August 3rd, 1492 on the Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. This, um, this sets up Columbus to set sail on his four voyages. And it, Columbus is going to help lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and the exploitation of indigenous people. Okay. He helps lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and the exploitation of indigenous people. All right. Um, so you have to understand the, the, the chronology of that. When you start, studying our history and when you start the history of African people in this country in 1619, you miss all of that. And historical events don't take place in a vacuum. Historical events don't take place in a vacuum. Okay. Historical events are a, they are the culmination of a sequence of previous historical events that have a domino effect. All right. And lead to a larger event taking place. So a lot of people are under the misconception that when Europeans came into uh, Africa during the transatlantic slave trade, starting in the 1440s, because the, the, the Portuguese were the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade, and they dominated for the first 200 years. A lot of people are under the misconception that when that happened, this was the first time Europeans came in contact with African people. No, that's not true. Africans were in Europe at least 100, 800 years. The, the, the Africans known as the Moors, who were descendants of the Garamantes, they were in Europe at least 800 years. And they're going to intermix with the population, and a hatred developed against the Moors also. Okay? And you can go back to the Reconquista, which was the effort to overthrow uh, and take back control of uh, land in uh, Spain, 722 A.D., the Reconquista. That's when the Reconquista starts, okay? It's completed August, uh, August uh, January 2nd, 1492, when Boabdil, who was a leader of a group of Moors, um, uh, surrendered, and they lost control of their last stronghold, which was Grenada, okay, in 1492. But there's a, there's a history there of tensions between Europeans and the Africans before the transatlantic slave trade starts. This, this, is, this is the type of information that we deal with in the, um, uh, in, in the uh, online course, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So it meets today, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can register for it. We have the information there. Then also in the... Uh, uh, information for the broadcast as well here. 
the original description. We have the information there. And then it's going to meet next Saturday, April 15th also, 3 p.m. So today we do like, we'll do like 3 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. All right. Um, let's go quickly here to the phone lines. Okay. Call on the 562 area code. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotel Show. Do you have a question or comment or just listen to the show? I'm listening to the show. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, can hear you, hear brother. Can I, can, you hear I can hear okay. you. Okay. Okay. okay, right on. Right on. Hey, you... Okay, that's not me. All right, you were talking about that that CBC agenda, right? Yes. Okay, is that the one that begins with we have a lot to lose, solutions to advance black families in the 21st century? Yeah, that's the name of it. That's the name of it. That's that document? I just want to make sure I got the right one. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, cool. Thank you very much. That's all I wanted, brother. Okay, brother. All right. Keep listening. All right. Um, Right. Okay. Now, also, to accompany that document, okay, we'll put you back on hold. Also, to accompany that document, download uh, the Indivisible document as well. Go to Indivisible Guide, G-U-I-D-E, IndivisibleGuide.com, IndivisibleGuide.com. Download the Indivisible Guide as well because people across the country are organizing and putting pressure on their congressional leaders and their U.S. senators because of that guide. Okay, I first found out about it on the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC, and this exploded. A lot of the people who were at the protest march that took place the day after the inauguration on January 21st, 2017, a lot of those people, they organized based upon indivisible. A lot of the organizations and the protests that was centered around the uh, repealing of Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, a lot of those organizations, a lot of those people organized and galvanized based upon indivisible. So you combine, you combine the indivisible guide along with the uh, agenda from the CBC, you have something very powerful. You have something very powerful. All right, so... Um, Okay, let's go back here to Facebook. Now, any other questions about the uh, upcoming live webinar? Who's registered for it? We're doing this 3 p.m. Uh, to 5.30 p.m. today. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Let's see here. Let's move this to the top. Any questions? Okay, Megan. Uh, Megan Clegg said, I am learning so much. Thank you clean for inviting me to watch great info okay all right all right so somebody invited her to watch all right good yeah share this broadcast on your own facebook page invite your friends to tune in also share this broadcast on your own facebook page invite your friends to tune in also okay all right so you have this other story and this is a crazy crazy story i'm so glad this brother uh is all right we'll get to this in just a minute oh i want to play this clip here this is from uh, News One Now with Roland Martin. We got to go to this. We're going to end the broadcast on YouTube, uh, guys. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Everybody on YouTube watching us on our YouTube channel, you can register for the uh, um, international webinar we're doing today. Uh, also, you can uh, uh, join us on Facebook. The African History Network, the African History Network on Facebook. You can watch us live. Also, you can call in and listen by phone, 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375. 
914-338-1375 is uh, the uh, call-in number. Uh, and um, uh, also you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the African History Network show. So we're broadcasting on three platforms today. All right. Got to get out of here from YouTube. Okay. Um, all right, so stop that. Okay, let's go to this clip here. This is from uh, News One Now with Roland Martin talking about Colin Kaepernick. Folks, we've been talking all week about the, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Of course, right now uh, he is actually in Somalia uh, where they have been delivering uh, food uh, to folks there who have been impacted uh, by virtue of uh, a, a, a famine there. Uh, now, what's going on now, though, is what's happening back here in the States is, will he be picked up by an NFL team? Right now, free agency is going on, and you've got different folks being signed by other teams, but no NFL team thus far has picked up a quarterback who led San Francisco 49ers to back-to-back uh, NFL championship games. Now, his play uh, has fallen off over the last couple of years due to injuries and also due to the fact that the 49ers were a sorry team. But what's going on? Is the NFL blackballing him or somebody who knows uh, the NFL quite well? Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp joins us right now. You can catch him every day on the Undisputed uh, alongside Skip Bayless uh, on Fox Sports 1. Shannon, how you doing? Rolla, I'm good, man. I was trying to get linked up uh, on video conferencing, and for whatever reason, it would not go through. So I apologize. For being for being late, uh, and uh, so I owe you one. So if you need me to come on again, we'll we'll, we'll have it we'll have it set up so it'll be live and ready to go at least ten minutes before we. No problem, no problem. We got you on the phone though. So uh, just what, <laughs> just, just your, your assessment of what's going on here. I mean, look, uh, look, my Houston Texans have have sucked when it comes to quarterbacks, and, and we don't have anybody right now. The Jets don't have a quarterback. It's a lot of teams don't have a quarterback. All of a sudden, Colin Kaepernick just can't play. <laughs> well, Ro, I think there's a lot of factors going on. There is, okay, there's 32 teams. Obviously, San Francisco, you, you remove them from the mix. And then some of the teams like, the, you know, the uh, the Packers or maybe the, uh, the, the Patriots, and some teams are not going to have interest. But let's just take these other, say, 28 teams. Now, there's a segment of those, the general manager and the owner, says that Colin Kaepernick's play is just falling off too much. And, you know, the system that we run, it wouldn't be conducive. There are a segment of those owners and general managers that said not, the blowback would just be too great. I mean, from our fan base, from our sponsorship, we, we just can't take that on at this current time. But there is a, a another segment of the general managers and the uh, owners that said, no, there's no way that we're going to do what we feel that he did is worse than us hiring someone that got behind the wheel of a car, killed someone, is worse than what, uh, uh, you know, domestic violence be it, uh, against a woman or a child. He's being labeled unpatriotic. And we have an administration that puts America's first, say America's first, make America great again. And what's the one thing that, you, you know, all Americans, you're supposed to stand at attention when that flag, when that national anthem is being played. And Colin Kaepernick said, no, you know, I'm going to take a knee. I'm not being disrespectful to the national anthem. I'm not being disrespectful to America or the veterans. There's something going on. And I want to draw attention to it. So when you ask me why am I kneeling for the national anthem, I'm going to tell you why. But nobody wants to address why. They just want to talk about him kneeling, but not what led to him taking a knee. And Shannon, what's offensive to me is that uh, these owners are absolutely hypocrites. You made the point that if he if he beat a woman, uh, if he did cocaine, uh, if he got busted for drugs, uh, 
We would welcome back with open arms, but how dare he actually exercise the First Amendment? Right, right. We love the First Amendment as long as we agree with what you're saying. We like your right to protest. We like your right to a petition, but I need to be aligned with what you're aligned with. See, that says, okay, look, if you want to protest, just be peaceful. What's more peaceful than taking a knee? He, he's not tearing out buildings. He's not burning cars. See, it really was never about the protest. You just don't want him to. You just don't want to talk about what the problem is in society. It's like, Roland, if I have cancer and I go to the doctor and the doctor say, you know what, if we don't talk about this cancer, it's going to go away. See, that's what they tell us, Rose, me, you, and I, we're raised babies. And if we don't talk about it, it'll get better. Where, where does a problem get solved by not talking about it? Well, not only that, uh, these owners, it's not like they've actually said anything. And I, I got to ask you this here, and I know you, I know you won a Super Bowl uh, with these guys, but you talk about politics. John Elway, who runs the Denver Broncos, sends a, sends a letter on Denver Broncos' letterhead endorsing Trump's pick for the Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch, that's good. But Colin Kaepernick, how dare you? <laughs> well, uh, John Elway is a very, very good friend of mine, and I know him very well. And as a matter of fact, I talked to him about a different subject uh, a couple of days ago. You know, for me, Roland, I don't have a problem with him on the letterhead because he is the Broncos. He was the face of the Broncos for 16 years while he played, and now he's the general manager, and he, you know, he is still the face. So I'm glad – he sent that on the letterhead. I'm glad President Trump spoke out against uh, 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 Colin Kaepernick because you know why, Roland? I don't want to ever hear anybody tell me to stick to sports because I'm going to cross over because mm-hmm. they got an opportunity to cross over. So I'm going to jump back and forth between sports and politics moving forward until I get tired, which <laughs> I don't get tired. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep covering it. I, so I, real quick here, last question. Do you believe – Colin Kaepernick will get picked up by by an NFL team uh, before training camp. Roller, my gut tells me no. It's going to take somebody. He needs to go to the right situation. I think Carolina. I think Seattle. Someone that runs a very similar offense to what he had success in. Got it. Um, so I, I think those would be his best options. But he, he's up against it. He understands that. But I right. think he understood that when he took the stance that he took. Roller. Well, I think uh, in this case here, we'll change our graphic. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's not, not been blackballed. He's been whiteballed. Mm. Shannon, I appreciate <laughs> it, folks. Watch Undisputed on Fox Sports 1 every day. What time, Shannon? Uh, 9.30 a.m. to 12. All right, then. Well, I owe you big time. I mean, we only got three or four minutes, but uh, have me back on, man, and let's do a full we'll do it. Do a full 10 minutes, whatever you want to do. We'll do it. I appreciate it, Shannon. Thanks a lot. All right, no problem, bro. All right, a peaceful protest. Deadly. 37-year-old black man was shot and killed by Backwards Police. Your hands are in the air, and you still get shot by the cops. Oh, my God. Please don't tell me he's dead. We're not going to All right. So that was uh, Shannon Sharp, the undisputed ESPN uh, interview by Roland Martin, News One Now. That was um, from around. That was published on. That was uploaded March 25th, 2017, that um, interview. Okay, Uh, and that's on YouTube. Has Colin Kaepernick been blackballed by NFL owners? All right, so we have this story of of uh, um, I think he's continental African or maybe from the Caribbean, but he's uh, African ancestry. He's an Uber driver, right? He had a passenger who threatened to. Uh, yell rape and say that he raped her. 
Now, she appears to be Hispanic, and there's an update to the story. We'll get to that in just a minute, but here's the background of the story. So a young Bronx, New York woman who was caught on cell phone video apparently threatening to call the police and falsely accuse an Uber driver of, of rape was banned from the Uber app for life, according to a company spokesperson. All right. Now, the Uber spokesperson told the New York Post, quote, the behavior in this video is abusive and completely unacceptable, end quote. Now, the footage, which was uploaded online this week, appears to show the unidentified female passenger hurling slurs and curses at the male driver for several minutes. Okay? She said, quote, I'm going to start screaming out the window that you're raping me, that you raped me, end quote. She went on to say, quote, I will punch myself in the face and tell the cops you did it. You want to play, end quote. Now, the woman tells the driver, quote, go back to your country, end quote, and says, quote, Donald Trump going to send you and your family back. Get the F out of my country, end quote. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if Donald Trump is going to talk about this. Is he going, is he going to respond to this? You know, because these white supremacists attack things like this. Donald Trump doesn't talk about this. Unless he's really asked about him back into a corner. It's going to be interesting. She actually mentions his name. Now, this was recorded. She actually mentioned his name. Donald Trump going to send you and your family back. Get the F out of my country. Now, the incident all seemed to unfold according to the New York Post because the driver did not have an iPhone charger. The Uber driver did not have an iPhone charger. Okay. Um, the, so the Uber driver tells the woman, uh, quote, if I don't have a charger, polite, politely ask me, I'll politely tell you, uh, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll politely tell you, I'm sorry, I don't have a charger. Okay. He went on to say, but you start disrespecting me. Now this, this back and forth continues as the driver continues to record and even smiles at the camera. Okay. So he's recording this incident. With his cell phone, he only has one cell phone because people ask, well, why didn't you call the police? He only had one cell phone. He was using that to record what was going on for evidence because he said he didn't want a situation where he stopped recording to call the police. And then the woman claims he did something while he was calling the police while he wasn't recording. So he recorded the whole incident. All right. And if he had not recorded that, he probably would have been in trouble, fired by Uber, possibly, what have you. So I'm, I'm so glad this brother recorded this incident and exposed this nonsense. All right, so the woman asked, I, the woman said, I was taking you to your, dest uh, no, he said, quote, I was uh, taking you to your destination until you started talking uh, stuff, end quote, Okay. He says just before the woman realized just before the woman realized that this altercation is being recorded. So then she yells, why are you recording me? OK, and then and then uh, 
uh, she yells this, and she yells this while she's punching the while she punch she's punching the Uber driver's seat, the back of his seat. She's punching the back of his seat, and then she yells, "He just hit me in my face." Okay, which he did not do, but she yells, "He just hit me in my face." This is, and, and this brother was smart to record this woman, this crazy ass woman. All right. So the driver says that the passenger is free to, quote, make up whatever lies she wants, end quote, before the woman eventually gets out of the car. Now, Uber, the company Uber, continued in their statement about the incident. They said, quote, as our community guidelines make clear, this will not be tolerated by anyone who uses Uber. The writer's account has been banned and Uber is looking into this incident, end quote. Neither the driver nor the rider has been publicly identified, okay? Now, the, 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 the Uber driver recorded another video to thank people for um, their support, et cetera, okay? And here's what he had to say. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah, this is the Uber driver from the video that went viral the other day. And I would like to thank Dude Comedy for sharing my video. You know, also War Star Hip Hop. And also thanks to everybody, you know, that shared the video and the kind comment and everything. You know. Um I just came from the Uber office right now, you know, because I had to go there, man, to explain, you know, what happened. So I went there, and as soon as I gave them the information and showed them the video, the lady told me, oh, they was, you know, looking for me because, you know, they saw the video, and they was kind of devastated. You know, the manager, you say the manager saw the video. His manager saw the video, the boss, all the way to the top, you know, Chiefs also the video, you know, and it was kind of speechless about it, you know. And then she also say, you know, these kind of allegations happens often, you know, where um, riders accuse drivers of doing stuff, and guess what? The drivers get, you know, prison time. Some of them get blocked, you know, they get banned for life, you know, for being an Uber driver just because they didn't record it. You know what I'm saying? And she say this video really would change the way, you know, they they work things out when this kind of problem, you know, happens. And uh she also t- told me that yeah, they gonna they was gonna give me some amount of money, you know, that I can tell you. You know, gonna give me some amount of money and guess what? <laughs> I bet I would never have a problem because of a charger anymore because they give me a lifetime supply of chargers as you can see right here okay got all kind of chargers man iphone samsung all kind of chargers you know auxiliary car and everything so yeah thanks to them you know for doing this and appreciate it and uh yeah I saw a lot of comments, you know, on the video, some people saying, oh, why I didn't call the cops? Because I didn't call the cops because I only have one phone, 
which is the one I'm using, you know, I was using to record. And I didn't trust that girl enough to turn off the phone and then call the cops and then turn it back on because she could, you know, she was already lying and she could say anything she wants, you know, when I turn off the phone. If I ever turn the phone, she could say anything she wanted, you know, to make up any lies. So I decided to just keep on recording if, until, you know, maybe the police pull up and something. And guess what? We already have information on the app, so, you know, it would be easy to find her. But too bad the police didn't show up, and I went there, you know, just made a report, and, uh, you know, they're investigating everything. And, yeah, a lot of people were saying she was black. No, I'm not saying all Spanish are bad, though, but she was Spanish. I don't know if she Puerto Rican, Dominican, or whatever. She was definitely Spanish. Her man is Spanish. She wasn't a black girl. She was a Spanish girl. And I know people like this exist in all kind of race. They exist in Spanish, black, white, Asians, Indians, everything. Because we've seen different videos from different, you know, different um, races, you know. It happened. So thank you for sharing the video. And I really appreciate it. And also, she, at one point, she told me to go back to my country, that Donald Trump would send me back to my country or whatever. But what she failed to understand is that I came here legally, you know what I'm saying? Came here legally, got my paperwork legally. I work legally, you know, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't fight. I don't be in trouble. I don't do all, none of that shit, you know? I just work to make a living, you know what I'm saying? And thanks to Uber, you know, I don't have to be out there in the street. Just always in my car, doing what I have to do. After my shift, I go back home and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I pay my taxes, which means I participate participate to the um, development of this country. And I bet you don't. She said Donald Trump would support me. I bet Donald Trump would like me more than your dumbass. Because I pay my damn taxes. Don't do no shit. She obviously crazy, man. And uh, I got a message for every single Uber driver out there. You better invest in a fucking dash cam, bro. Because being an Uber driver is putting your life in jail party if you don't have a damn Uber, uh, you don't have a dash cam, you know. And like we all know, Uber is a, is a good way to make, you know, quick buck, you know, good for a part-time job. But make sure you buy a dash cam, bro. It could save your life. It saved my life, bro. I have a dash cam in the back of my car, you know, you can't see it. But let me tell you this, bro. Get a dash cam. Because you never know where you're going to come across a dumb bitch. You know what I'm saying? And never get physical, bro. Let them talk whatever they want to say, and they're going to get out. And it will be easy to catch them because Uber has all the information. You know, if they did damage to your car, you're going to get a full refund, bro. I'm telling you, so mm -hmm. be careful out there. Thank you. Appreciate the love. Peace. All right, so that was the Uber driver. He's still um, unidentified, and so is the uh, so was the passenger. 
who's been banned for life from Uber, still unidentified also, okay? So check out this story from theroot.com. Uber bans passenger for life after she threatens to accuse driver of rape, okay? Uber bans passenger for life after she threatens to accuse driver of rape, okay? Uh, this is from, this is written by Brianna Edwards. This is from, um, uh, I think, April, this is from, uh, updated April, April 6th and 7th, okay, 2017. So check this out. All right. Uh, okay, so on Facebook, let's see. Um, we're getting ready to transition into the um, live international webinar. So I have to log into the African History Network school. Okay, so who's registered for the webinar? Who's trying to register for the webinar? Any any people need the link again to register again for the webinar? It's an eight-hour course. Today's the second installment. Uh, the first one was recorded. You can go back and watch it. Uh, we're going to get into some deep information today. Let's see. Okay, uh, talking about Colin Kaepernick. All right. Um yeah, he only had one phone. Uh, Robin Bonner said, buy a secondary phone and dial 911 and let it be recorded by the police. Um, let's see. I love your shirt, Natalie. Yeah, this is from Power in One. They gave me the shirt. Uh, guys that own it says, uh, I love my history. I love my culture. Uh, I love my people. I love me. All right. So everywhere I go, people like this shirt. This comes from uh, the guys at Power in One. Power in One. Um, all right, so let me do this here. Let's go to um, here is um, Muhammad Ali. Talk, well, you know what? Uh, how much time we have? There was a. Um, it was a story about segregation. We're going to deal with that on tomorrow night's show. We don't have enough time to get into it like I want to here, but um, we'll get into some of it. Um, on News One Now with Roland Martin, they did a um, he did a segment. There was a study that talked about the cost of segregation. Okay, the cost of segregation. And the name of the, uh, there was an article from uh, NBCnews.com had an article. Also, um, AtlantaBlackStar.com had an article also. Segregation results in loss of money, lower education, higher mortality rate. Segregation results in loss of money, lower education, higher mortality rate. Okay. And when they talk about segregation, they're not talking about white people living next door to African-Americans and things like this. What they're talking about is how opportunity is segregated, how resources are segregated. This is this is what they're talking about. This was a study that looked at 100 cities across the country. OK, this is a report. um, um this looked at 100 cities across the country, including Atlanta, Chicago, um, Atlanta, Chicago, 
uh, New York, and this was between 1999 and 2010 that they studied this. And they discovered that racial segregation impacts African Americans uh, the most economically and results in increased homicide rates among uh, the group as a whole. Okay. Uh, and, and the article from AtlantaBlackStar.com says, though black-white segregation has declined over the years, Latino-white segregation has increased, resulting in a lower life expectancy for all. The city of Chicago, which has seen a surge in crime and deadly shootings as of late, was ranked, was ranked the fifth most segregated metro city in the U.S. in the report. Okay, Our study documents the relationships between segregation and the incomes, educations, and safety of a metropolitan region's residents. All right. Uh, our, our findings suggest that efforts to reduce economic and racial segregation could deliver benefits all across metropolitan areas. Given the high levels of segregation in Chicago, the region's potential gains uh, from reducing, given the high levels of segregation in Chicago, the region's potential gains from reducing segregation are substantial, end quote. So they talk about how the report found that in Chicago alone, uh, Chicago could lessen uh, its black-white, if Chicago could lessen its black-white segregation, then they're talking about opportunities, funding, closing of schools, uh, all different types of things like this. But then also along with segregation comes police misconduct as well. Because as we saw in Baltimore, if you read the uh, 163, I think it was 163 page skating report from the Baltimore, from the uh, Department of Justice into the patterns and practices of the Baltimore Police Department, they talked about there are two Baltimores. There's a white Baltimore where the police get along and, and protect and serve the white population. There's a white Baltimore. And then there's the other Baltimore. OK, where African-Americans are mistreated, uh, they are um, uh, harassed by police, all different types of things like this. OK, but in Chicago, they found that African-Americans could earn close to twenty five hundred dollars more each year with an aggregate increase of three point six billion dollars. This is this is in Chicago alone. And the homicide rate would be would decrease by 30 percent in Chicago and eighty three thousand people would complete their bachelor's degrees also. This is, so this is an extensive study that people should check out. Okay, uh, let's go to this uh, clip here from News One Now with Roland Martin. Segregation costs African-Americans billions every year in Chicago. Chicago is considered uh, the mecca, if you will, when it comes to black power, yet it is the... Chicago is considered the mecca, if you will, when it comes to black power, yet it is the fifth most segregated city in the country and has cost African-Americans upwards of nearly $5 billion in economic impact. A new study was released this week by the Metropolitan Planning Council and the Urban Institute, which looked at racial and economic costs of segregation. They say black folks have lost $4.4 billion in additional income. The homicide rate will be 30% lower. There will be 83,000 more college graduates in the city. Joining us right now via Skype 
from Chicago is Alden Lowry, Director of Research and Evaluation for the Metropolitan Planning Council. Alden, uh, I spent six years in Chicago running the Chicago Defender, being at WVON Radio, often talked about this. And, and I tell people all the time, you go to Chicago, you don't have, uh, you, you don't have a black-owned restaurant there. Uh, uh, all jokes aside, the prominent uh, black uh, comedy club uh, in the 80s and 90s, when they tried to move to the north side, literally, they shut them down, would not grant the permits because they didn't want those people coming into their neighborhood. Uh, and so people really don't understand, unless you live there, how segregated that city is and how people are confined to their neighborhoods. Yeah, and the, what, the, what we wanted to do with the study was to provide uh, real numbers in terms of what that separation is costing, not just black people and not just black people on the south and west sides of the city, but what it's costing the entire region. And so we contracted with the Urban Institute to develop the study. Uh, they performed the study looking at three segregation measures, economic segregation and segregation between African-Americans and whites and Latinos and whites. And what they found were the findings that you produced for the Chicago region, I should say, not just the city, but for the region as a whole, uh, $4.4 billion. And it's based on their Generally speaking, as the level of black-white segregation increases, the income, the per capita income of African-Americans decreases. And there could be a host of reasons why, but you, some of the things that you mentioned are very clear illustrations of what life is like uh, in the city of Chicago and to a larger extent the region of Chicago. You can go for miles, literally, and be in a black space, and then it changes to a different kind of space, a white space or a Latino space, and that's a very common observation um, here in Chicago, in the city and the region. Well, well, fo well, well folks, I also don't realize when I moved there, I had, uh, when I, I had a meeting with Congress, con then Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr., uh, and he showed me uh, the tourism map. And that is the tourism map in Chicago stopped literally at 22nd Street. It did not go past 22nd Street. Uh, and so forget going to Bronzeville. Uh, they said, no, look, you come here, you're not going there. Uh, also, when he was trying to get the airport uh, in the south suburbs, they mm -hmm. fought that big time. He kept trying to make the argument that uh, that airport, which Chicago needs the addition airport in his mind, could do for that south region uh, what O'Hare has done uh, for that region there, uh, for that part of the Chicago area. And folks fought it tooth and nail. He was trying to make the economic argument, and folks said, absolutely not. And that's, that's one of the things to really keep in mind with this when you talk about, well, does it really matter? It does, because when spaces become black spaces, in some respects, they are completely written off by the rest of the community. And so you can have a south side of Chicago, a west side of Chicago that has real economic buying power, but you don't get the retailers, you don't get the kind of investment that you need. As a result, the people in those communities have to go elsewhere to spend their money. Around the time that you were here and uh, at the Defender, I remember doing the story with one of the reporters at the Chicago Reporter, we found that there was $5 billion in retail leakage from black communities in the city of Chicago. So there's real money there, there's real value and power there, but because there's such a reticence to develop and provide uh, income and resources in those communities, that money has to go elsewhere, and that ultimately is to the detriment of those communities as well. And this, and when, what, you, what you've done with this study, why this is critically important, because having that homicide rate in there is vital. I have said this to this White House, I've said it to senior administration officials. I've said it to others. You cannot talk about 
the issue of violence in Chicago unless you deal with the educational and economic apartheid that has existed in Chicago for the last 80 years. Uh, in supplemental research, you're, you're right, Roland. In supplemental research that we've done earlier this year, we showed that when you look at the city of Chicago in particular, and you break down the, the city by census tract, and you look at their homicide rates, and then you also look at their levels of poverty, employment of uh, individuals without a bachelor's degree, you find that as the numbers of people in poverty who are unemployed, who don't have a bachelor's degree go up, your homicide rate goes up, and it goes up dramatically. Uh, so, you know, we think that those are kind of contributing factors to the violence. And the report that we released this week shows that uh, as a result of segregation, that rate could be lower. And that, that higher rate is costing not just the, the places where we really think about when we think about homicides, but it's costing the entire region. The Chicago region suffers from this uh, reputation of being a violent city, of being a violent region. And that's, uh, that impact is felt across the region. And in the report, we talk about a $6 billion loss in residential a real estate value as a result of the level of homicides that we see mm -hmm. because of our increased level of black-white segregation. Alden, where can people get a, get a copy or take a look at this survey, this study? Uh, you can go to our website, metroplanning.org. Again, that's metroplanning.org. Uh, the cost of segregation report is right there on the front. There's a link to get to the website where we lay out the report and where you can download a PDF. All right. Alden Lyle, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. I want to go to economist uh, Julian Malvo first. Again, this is a piece that I think whenever we're talking about what's happening in urban areas uh, that a lot of white folks don't want to deal with and African-Americans have to become more well-versed on this, and that is you have to tie historically, which this, uh, this study also does, the historical housing patterns. And, and, uh, and how jobs were ignored. The Chicago, city, city College of Chicago a few years ago also did their own study that showed the economic impact of African Americans frozen out of the labor unions, especially yes. the building trades unions. This is how we get to this income uh, disparity and the average white family having $110,000 in wealth and the average black family having $5,000 in wealth. Julian. Uh, Roland, one of the most important things to look at here is not only the impact on the African-American community, but the impact on GDP in general. So it's not just that black folks are losers, it's that the entire Chicago region is a loser when you lock people out. What you're doing is you're suppressing people's human capital. And as you say, Chicago was well known. People would come up from uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. It was the draw. The Chicago Defender, in fact, you had a brother on about a year ago uh, who wrote a book about the Defender. That was the organ Ethan, to attract people. Ethan McKaylee. Yes, to, to yeah. attract people uh, to Chicago. Uh, I used to joke that everybody would send a picture of themselves in Chicago standing next to a Cadillac. They just didn't tell anybody it wasn't their Cadillac. Uh, <laughs> but they said that people look and say, if old dumb Bubba could get a Cadillac, I could move to Chicago and give me one, too. But, but, the, real, but the, big, the real deal is that the entire GDP essentially is suppressed. Economic opportunities have been missing. Maggie Anderson and her husband did a book, A Year of Buying Black, and was basically gotcha. focused in Chicago. And what they found is you had so little economic development because of the perception that those areas were dangerous, high crime, right. low economic, and they aren't. Ralph, uh, the thing is this here. Anytime Donald Trump talks about uh, Chicago is happening there, uh, and I can tell you, 
uh, I made it clear to a senior administration official at that network luncheon uh, that, that took place. Uh, I said, look, if you want to confront what's happening in Chicago, you had better deal with education and economics and not just talk about law and order. Oh, absolutely. You know, nothing is ever going to be solved simply by locking people up. You will never lock yourself, be able to lock enough people up to change anything. Economics does have to be a serious discussion. Education has to be on the table as well. And, you know, and segregating neighborhoods, you know, that, that's never good. It's never good for the majority. It's never good for the minority. But in, in saying that, we also have to admit that we as black people, we are strong and we are resilient. And, you know, you look at Black Wall Street in Tulsa, you couldn't get any more segregated than that. But that community was able to thrive. And I, for one, even though we shouldn't have to, wait a minute, even show, even though we shouldn't have to overcome segregation, we can do it. And we need to but, but, we need to get the drugs out of our own neighborhood. But, we no, need no, to get no, back to the Ralph, moral Ralph, core Ralph, in our communities, Ralph, and we Ralph, can we can Ralph, prosper. Ralph, 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 Ralph. First of all, I hear all that. Well, let me be real clear. Again, if anybody wants to understand Chicago, read the book Fire on the Prairie. Scott, read yes. what Harold Washington had to endure when he ran exactly. for yes. mayor. When in a Democratic city, when he ran against a guy, he beat. He beats uh, the incumbent, Jane Byrne. He beats uh, Richard Daley uh, in the primary. They run a guy, a Republican, in the the general election. And Washington barely wins. (laughs) And they they were attacking him. And then the whites on the city council did everything they could to block Harold Washington, uh, block all of the block all of the a heart attack at his death. Shortly after being re-elected, they changed the rules to ensure you had to have Chicago has blocked folks. When it comes to sector dollars, only a handful of black folks that they pre-approve, if you will, they have locked black people out yeah. of Ro- economics in Chicago. Yeah. That's real, Scott. Yeah, really. You're absolutely right. I grew up in Chicago and Joliet, Illinois, and I lived through those times. Fast Eddie Verdoliak is who you're really talking about, who was That's the right. nemesis for all of this. But let me say this. The most powerful part of this report, I think, is that it confirms that racism trumps capitalism. That $4 billion, that $5 billion of loss for that region, probably the second or third largest business region, uh, region in this country, those are losses not just for people of color, but those are losses for white businesses, white Americans, those who have lived in the American dream far better than people of color. My goodness gracious, wouldn't any business like to have that $4 billion invested, not just in the African-American community, but all communities? It's a sad testament of uh, what it means when you read that report and read the results of the report. Black people and Davis. white people ought to be wanting to change that. Yeah. Davis. They ought to be wanting to change it. You're exactly right. But they don't. And, and they don't just because of the reason that you just described. The reality is that over and over and over again, how many examples can we show uh, that, largely speaking, white supremacy in this country trumps logic, trumps logic, it trumps reason, it also trumps economic advantage. You need no better example of that to look over at the White House and see who's sitting in there right now. A peaceful protest turned deadly. All right. All right. So that was... Uh... News one now with Roland Martin. Okay, so let me uh, turn this back on. Okay, so we're getting ready to um, start the um, class today. 
uh, Kenneth asked, how long will the session be today? Probably about two and a half hours. If you have to tune out at any point, you know, you can, um, it's recorded. So you can, you can tune in at any point. I mean, you can go back and watch it. Okay. All right. So let's get this set up here and we're going to go live in just a second here. Just stand by. All right. So we're going to, um, in the broadcast here on, uh, blog talk radio. Okay, so thanks for tuning in to the Michael M. Hotep Show. You can follow us on Facebook Live. The African History Network will be there for a few more minutes. We're going to start our online class. You can register at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? Talk to you all later. Peace. Remember, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. Talk to you next time. Peace. All right.